The Cups and Cakes Network presents Inside the Artist Studio. The interview you're about to hear was originally recorded April 13th, 2019. To find out more about Cups and Cakes, visit them at cupsandcakespod.com. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. What you're about to hear may contain filthy language and adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Joe Vickers came up in the Edmonton music scene busking around town in the early 2000s before forming one of the city's most beloved bands called Audio Rocketry. Audio Rocketry fused punk and folk together into songs that became instant classics. Their music is as equally great for foot stomping as it is for moshing. Although they are still an active band, members live in different cities, including Vickers himself who makes his living as a farmer and drum heller. With audio rocketry slowing down, Vickers needed a creative outlet for his musings, so he went back to his beginnings and started making music by himself. Since 2011, he has released four EPs and two full lengths. The most recent being the incredible 2018 album Notes for the Wood-Burning Stove. Before Vickers took the stage with audio rocketry for the Cups and Cakes 5-year anniversary this past April, he stopped by the studio for a quick chat. And now, please enjoy my interview with Joe Vickers. Joining me today on Inside the Artist Studio is Joe Vickers. Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So... Um, why are you here, I guess, is the thing. Um, you write music now uh, solo, but uh, you started in a band, which is still active, called Audio Rocketry. Mm-hmm. And actually, Audio Rocketry, you were the only one that wasn't part of the Inside the Artist Studio episode we did. I think it was like episode number three. It was one of the very first episodes we did of this podcast. No, I was, uh, I was down uh, in Oregon at the time. So we were living down there while uh, my wife was going to school. Yeah. And it was, I think, before a run of shows. I can't really remember. But yeah, I was out of province, but yeah. it was awesome to listen to. <laughs> you uh, listened like, to it? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And like Matt Murphy is one of the funniest dudes I know. And here, well, also Blair and Jerome. And just being able to hear him pipe in and out and the quips i almost felt like i was i was there <laughs> right on well okay so why don't we start with that um audio rocketry was born in edmonton um you and matt murphy started it essentially right is that how it worked yeah well it it, it was a two-piece uh from the start but it was myself and a drummer oh okay and then we added matt and the first show that we were supposed to do as a three-piece, the drummer bailed on us, and we were in Red Deer, and uh, we didn't want to quit. Yeah. And I, well, so we just went down to Red Deer, and we just said, well, let's do it. Let's just pretend like we're jamming in the basement. And yeah. uh, things kind of went off the rails a little bit. I broke a string, and it was Matt's first show, and he was like, hey, I think it's Alexander Keats' birthday, and it was like one of those celebrations, and I think if you go down to the bar, they have discounts, and it was like this 50-year-old waitress piped up from the the crowd, no, there isn't no deals, and it just kind of went, like, yeah, it kind of went off the rails, but then we realized that um, that limitation of not having uh, a drummer kind of contributed to our identity and our sound, and we just went with it. We had studio time booked for the summer, and we wanted to make a record, so we just kind of harken back to our, uh, like, busking era, and that's kind of how the band formed, where I moved to Edmonton, and I didn't know anybody, and um, 
was inspired by um, Daniel Buxton. He would be out uh, busking underneath these um, the Army and Navy canopy and realizing, well, okay, uh, you know, I think I could do this too. And um, I spent time busking there and other parts of White Ave and in the LRT stations. And that gave me a little bit of confidence to start working on songs and finding other uh, musicians and, and um, then eventually met Matt. And then the band just kind of grew uh, naturally from there. Cool. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Lo- lots of, lots of little side stories, I guess, uh, <laughs> in the space between with uh, us becoming a full electric band, which I'm really excited about the current lineup and the sound. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, how active is Audio Rocketry now? Because I know you guys all kind of live all over the place now. You're in Drumheller, Jerome's in Vancouver. Is Matt and Blair are they both still in Edmonton? Yeah. Okay. So I, I was the limiting factor for a while where. Um, I was back um, in Drumheller on my family's farm working for six months out of the year. Yeah. And then in the winter, I'd be down in Oregon with my wife. Yeah. And so whenever I was away, that uh, that limited us from being able to play. But now I'm back in Jerome's in Vancouver. So we're, I think we're, we'd like to play as much as possible. Yeah. And now we're at a, a place where we're, we're at least, uh, well, we've got these shows that are happening and we're really excited to be um, just in the same room together and hanging out. Last yeah. night, rehearsing was so much fun. <laughs> and we showed up. We didn't have any songs set aside for a set list for tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and we just picked a song and kind of let things fall into place from there. And it was pretty cool to see how, how muscle memory works. Yeah, yeah. And even just realizing that we have this beautiful dynamic as uh, friends and musicians and it's so much fun to play and um, work uh, together um, uh, as a band. Yeah. That I'd like to uh, say that we're going to be uh, more active and I, th- I think I think it's just a matter of, of making things priority. Yeah. And um, I know we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll be working on new music at some point. It's just a matter of, of finding the time and committing ourselves to it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, just to add a little bit of context, you were doing this interview the day of the Cups and Cakes five-year anniversary, mm-hmm. which you guys are playing. Yeah. Which was honestly, I was, I have so much trouble putting this thing together every year and, uh, and this year was exceptionally hard. I had, I, I think I went through three different headliners that said yes, and then backed out. And then I had, uh, I had a really great, um, um, not headliner, but um, oh, uh, before the headliner, middle band, I guess. And then I thought that they were still on board once we've got you guys on board. And I sent them a message being like, listen, things have changed a little bit with the lineup, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, well, we can't do that. Oh, they heard we were playing. Oh <laughs> we don't want to play with those guys. No, it, it, it definitely was not that. Actually, they were, uh, I'm not going to say who it was on air, but uh, they know you and they were, they were like, that would have been amazing. But I guess I thought that they were planning a tour around it. And there's just That's fine. That's just, just circumstances. Lost in, lost in communication there. But I've always had so much trouble with this. And it was literally a Hail Mary when I asked you guys to play this show and I, we never thought in a million years. I was already at the point where I'm assuming uh, it's going to be canceled kind of thing. And uh, and I was just so grateful you guys said yes. Well, it's great timing. 
um, Jerome was able to take some time off off of work and fly out. Mm-hmm. We're going to do this show, and then we play in Calgary next weekend. Okay, yeah. And uh, I, I'm kind of at that period where I'm starting to get ready for seating on yeah. the farm, yeah. but have the opportunity to um, come up here for the weekend and hang out. So yes. it, it was great timing, and, and we respect what you do for the Edmonton and Alberta music community here. So it, oh, it was thanks. just great, great timing, and we're excited to be uh, a part of the celebration. Yeah, and okay, so let's talk a little bit about you guys and how loved you are in Edmonton. And I think a lot of that is, you know, I think about bands that um, are really loved within their own city and you guys write songs that have a lot of Edmonton references. And I mean, that really hits home when you're born and raised Edmontonian and, and you listen to something that, that has this this feel of your city. And I really think that Audio Rocketry is one of those like almost quintessential Edmonton bands. There's just like a feeling about Audio Rocketry that just reminds me of the city. And I don't know if that's just because I'm biased because I was watching you guys play here and and then you write songs that you know reference landmarks in the city and stuff like that but uh but i wanted to know how much where you are kind of affects how you write music because to me as an outsider it seems like it, it is a big way of how you personally write songs like you connect very much with with geography and i was just mm-hmm. i just wanted maybe to elaborate a bit on that no uh, good question and and thank you for all those nice words <laughs> i i don't think it's a conscious decision um to be well as you put it like to, to have landmarks in songs it's it comes back to the old uh, writing approach of of, of uh, singing or talking about what you know or or uh, writing about what you're observing. Yeah. And and uh, at least for me, lyrically, um, music has always been a way for me to to kind of assess certain situations or certain feelings and and process them. Okay. Music's been uh, my my filter. Yeah. Um, or my 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 medium for interpretation and and so you're right geography is uh entangled with that yeah. and um I, I think the city though also uh manifests itself in a certain way too like when i was uh 16 years old and playing in my punk band from drum heller yeah we played out of town and that felt like a big step going and playing other small towns like Strathmore and then we played Calgary which was the city for us and then we came up to Edmonton and there was just something about the music scene back then in the early 2000s and um, I think like the the grittiness of the city and the blue collar um, ethos of this area that really attracted me to um, the city and that's why I wanted to moved to Edmonton in the first place. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget, we were playing the Shark Tank uh, <laughs> years ago, and we were playing with Rum Runner and a bunch of other like uh, Edmonton bands, and we were really, really nervous, so we were outside, and you know, a couple of members in our band were having uh, some cigarettes, and, and we're just kind of like getting ready before the set, and this dude in a business suit approaches us, and 
and we're all like whatever stupid wristbands like studded belts and yeah <laughs> leather jackets and stuff bunch of punk rockers and he's like oh what's going on tonight and uh the other singer in the band was kind of snotty and was like bands are playing and he was like what he's like bands and I don't know why he was being standoffish to this dude. Maybe because he was wearing a business suit or something. Yeah. But this guy dropped his briefcase. He spit in his hands and pressed his hair together into a mohawk and looked, <laughs> looked at my buddy and said, I was punk when you were pissing yourself. <laughs> Picked up his briefcase and just kept on walking away. And he was uh, an oh. MLA, actually, walking from the ledge. Get the Fuck yeah. out of here. So I think that was the moment that solidified my decision to move to Edmonton. And I've always been a, tr- you know, uh, maybe that was like the moment uh, where I realized this is where I, I, I need to move. But, uh, you know, being here and then I've always drawn inspiration from from others around. I think that uh, uh, it can even I can even talk about the busking days where you, you are very vulnerable when you are playing in a space that is not always welcoming to music or the style of music you're playing. Yeah. So you have to have thick skin and, and, and people aren't always going to like what you say. But the, uh, my approach to being a part of music was to always um, try to find a, a community of like-minded individuals. And I just feel like uh, maybe coming to a place that attracted me yeah. um, and there's certain things about it that, that wanted me to be here. Um, and you put that out. In, into uh, you know uh, into the atmosphere through your music and it, it uh, attracts other like-minded individuals and we've just been really lucky that people have gravitated towards the music yeah okay awesome well I like I think people have gravitated towards it because like you you kind of almost have a folk style of storytelling but then it's punk rock and it's just it's just infectious. It's fun, and but then the lyrics are are just so they're they're really well done. Like like a really good folk singer, you know. I mean, there's all sorts of shitty shitty folk singers, but a really good folk singer, the lyrics are really what you're listening to. You're not going for the for the instrumentation. It's mostly about what they're saying, and uh, I've always found that with audio rocketry. But I want to kind of shift over to your solo stuff now, because. Audio rocketry is like your kind of like punk rock blended with sort of a, a folk kind of um, stylings. Now you're doing more of like a, a folk, maybe mixed with country kind of sound. Um, and your 2018 album, Notes from the Wood Burning Stove, absolutely phenomenal. And it has a lot more of that that wonderful storytelling, but maybe more from um, kind of a, a farm town kind of aspect and that's that's really what made me think about like this guy definitely sort of writes about where he is in a in a time and place and uh maybe just talk a little bit about um notes from the wood burning stove yeah uh, sure i i think maybe it's important to uh note like um blair from the band um him and i like we worked together in 2010 to produce an album of songs that were uh um, all uh, commemorative tunes um, for the centennial celebration of coal mining history in Drumheller. Okay, and Blair recorded, produced the the album, uh, the entire record, and that was kind of like the beginning of of uh, 
of, of me writing songs aside from the band. Yeah. Um, before then, any song that kind of that that came to mind, yeah. it was just a audio rocketry song. Okay. But that was the catalyst for uh, working on different songs that maybe didn't uh, uh, fit necessarily into the audio rocketry sound that we developed as yeah. as uh, as a band. Yeah. And then when I was um, spending my winters down in Oregon, um, the separation also. I was writing more um, alone, and it didn't feel right to like. They didn't seem like audio rocketry songs, so I put out a couple of of solo EPs, and yeah. then um, and then I, I'm just always continually writing songs. Yeah, and I feel like it is nice to uh, creatively. It's it's important to have different projects, and to 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 be able to push yourself to write different songs. So after we, um, as a band, put out the self-titled album in 2016, we we made a full punk rock, rock and roll record. It was loud, electric guitars, yeah. and and um, something that I'm very uh, proud of still to this day. Uh, creatively, um, for me, I felt like I because we just made this loud record, I wanted to make something more quiet and complete opposite where they're more slow introspective songs yeah. that were uh were stripped down and had uh i was writing the songs in the winter time so i wanted to try to um focus on a certain mood yeah. and it felt like in that process that as i wrote one song i was reminded of something else and it became this cascade effect yeah where um the first song wood burning stove is literally like um, taken from uh, my morning ritual for a time where I would just write prose in the morning at the kitchen table at, at uh, the farmhouse in Drumheller. Yeah. And right behind the kitchen table is a wood-burning stove. Yeah. And a lot of the times, all that junk from the morning writing would just get crumpled up and thrown into the wood-burning stove. Oh. And it was this idea of just writing for the sake of writing and um, whether it be, well, mostly just this cathartic, practice of writing something making something and then destroying it yeah but then the idea um you can kind of expand on that in different ways where you know if you're keeping a hold of uh for instance love letters from 10 years ago you're definitely <laughs> holding on to some kind of baggage and, yeah. and living a more you can become a hoarder and i was almost becoming a hoarder <laughs> in this farmhouse and realizing i gotta let go of stuff um both physically and emotionally and um wanted to uh, you know dive into this a little bit further and and um, that process became the, uh, that record yeah okay and um, as I was kind of going through the motions uh, revisiting old things that I realized I had to let go of as well awesome yeah it, okay you got the two things kind of going on um you know the the last thing that you you released was a solo effort and uh when, sorry when was the last audio the self-titled that was 2016 2017 right oh geez uh years are blending 2016 <laughs> 2017 yeah it, it doesn't really matter it was right at the end of 2016 i believe so okay. yeah pretty much this same year so and, and then obviously you're very busy you're a farmer which is just one of the most commendable practices out there but uh how do you find time for music and then what are you going to try to focus on 
next for for music are you going to try to give us another another joe vickers album or, or are you going to try to get the the gang together for an audio rocketry little thing yeah uh i think it i've i kind of see like uh well the band has always been uh i i think well the audio rocketry is like the baby still in my opinion where it's always my first love yeah okay and i I think as long as we're making music that's interesting to us uh, as a group yeah we want to continue writing and making records and we've been a band now for 12 or 13 years and and we haven't like even there's been stretches where we played over a hundred shows in a year, and then other times, like last year, we played three. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think it's th- th- that's just life, though, where where other things become priority. Yeah. And it's important to let that become priority. Yeah. Um, music is integral to all of us in in the band, um, but you know you gotta focus on other things uh, at times and or even different opportunities uh i got invited to go on to uh, a six-week tour in europe with my friends in mobina galore and no way uh, that was a couple of years ago and um through that tour i was able to meet so many incredible people throughout Europe yeah. that, um, and even, um, Gunnar Christensen through, um, that runs Gunnar records yeah. that when I had, um, this collection of, of solo songs, I pitched it to him and like, I know that you're more of a punk rock label. I know you have a couple solo folks on it, but would you be interested in doing this? And he was incredibly excited right away. That's and awesome. he just said, yeah, let's do it. Just make sure you don't do a one, two week tour and leave me with all these records in the warehouse. <laughs> yeah. So that was our agreement. And yeah. I promised I would, I would be back uh, numerous times. And so that became a, I, I, I want to be true to my word. So um, with that, ha- after putting the record out, um, it was important for me to do a couple of tours in Europe. Yeah. And, and since then, well, this it, last year I was able to make it to Europe twice yeah. and promote the, the album and, and enjoy that Troubadour lifestyle where you can show up to a town on a train and then take public transportation to the venue. Isn't and it amazing? And there's also like this appreciation of the arts in Europe where, um, there's this level of professionalism when you show up, everything is just taken care of. It makes touring so easy yeah. and touring is very tough. Like, yeah. and, and I, I understand why, um, artists and bands get burnt out by it. And it's realizing that those little things of having food just ready for you or a clean place to stay. I'm not opposed to a dirty spot, but you know, like <laughs> after 10 years, you kind of standards a change. Older, a little, right? yeah. yeah, absolutely. You travel a little bit differently as you age. <laughs> totally. So it's, uh, you know, you appreciate those little things that uh, make the lifestyle more sustainable. Yeah. And, and um, I think I got a w- little bit away from your question, but That's right. given those opportunities um, uh, and, and having people that were interested in, 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 uh, in the solo performance, uh, that became uh, an area of, of focus for me. Yeah. But um, I'm, I'm always wanting to try and do different things. Yeah. And, and even the prospects of, of, uh, 
uh, uh, making new uh, full band records are definitely not off the table. Sweet. Just, just because we haven't been really active in the last year doesn't mean that uh, we're not going to, you know, be quiet for long. That's all. I, that's all we needed to hear. <laughs> <laughs> um, I keep honestly, I keep trying to talk bands that I that I meet into going to Europe because everybody there's this like stigma, like you know, you want to go down, you want to go south, you want to go to the states. And I'm like, no, you know, maybe you should think about Europe. And uh, speaking with like Eamon McGrath and stuff about his experiences in Europe, and and they, there's there's certain there's a certain love for Canadian music in, in Europe that is. It doesn't exist in the States. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and just from my own personal experience of playing down in the States, it's it's like, you're from where again? Yeah. Alberta? Oh, that's not far from Ontario. Is And, you know, like, <laughs> and I send with, uh, you know, I say that with all kind of, kinds of love because uh, we've even had roommates that were questioning geography, but there's not a really an interest for whatever reason. Like American culture is, is, is so uh, rich in itself that, yeah. Um, sure, like, yeah, it's it's got, a, like, a lot going for itself. But there's, for whatever reason, Canada is, like, that uninteresting sibling for a lot of people, even Definitely. though it's, you yep. know, we have a lot of similarities. But in, but in Europe, we're kind of amalgamated where you're from North America, so yeah. there is a level of interest. And not and, only that, you're from the North American country that we like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very true. Yes, there's there is a certain love of Canadians uh, abroad, which which uh, I don't know. It's helpful. It's helpful. It's totally helpful. But uh, it's that I I don't know. uh, All I can say is I think that there is that you're lumped into being a part of North America, so there is an interest and. Um, I think at least like in terms of uh, folk and country music like that, there's um, there is a history in North America that mm-hmm. is separate from Europe. So absolutely. Sometimes like I think listeners are or will see more of a I don't want to say authenticity, but they do kind of uh, if you're from North America, they they're more interested that way. Yeah. And I, I've been lucky in that regards. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm still waiting for, for the time that things shift with the, you know, the American outlook. Cause <laughs> I love going down there and, but it's just the, the interest is not there. Yeah, it is. It, and it's too bad, but I mean, it is a great country. I, I love like my wife and I had the last five, six trips that we've done. We love to travel, have been to the States. So the, I mean, the States is a great country. People, people like to knock it, but I mean, it's the same way that Americans like to knock Canada. It's just, we're. We're neighbors. We're we're you know we're brothers. Totally, so, yeah. and I don't really see it so much as like this division uh, between the two. Like it's very regional. If you go to Vancouver, Victoria, mm-hmm. it's really no different than the entire Pacific Northwest. Uh, yeah, totally. Seattle, totally. Portland, like they they all ha- share a similar vibe. Yeah. Even maritime states uh, to maritime in uh, in Canada, it's uh, it, it's more regional and and. I think we're kind of lucky to be able to have that ability to, if you're curious enough to go travel on this continent, to to go, to go and visit these different areas. Yeah, yeah. Because like we, we do share a lot of commonalities, but there's still regional identities that that uh, that are um, I think important for us to to um, 
you know, bring into ourselves. Like we can uh, see how people live in other parts of the world and that can impact um, our own perspective. Cause yeah. I, 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 I love that we're back in Drumheller right now, but um, there's definitely moments where I struggle where, where after being in Portland, Oregon, and then coming back to rural Alberta, there is a, a huge difference <laughs> where you're like, well, okay, I'm not getting grass-fed organic be- beef anymore. But there's, there's start, you're starting to see more of that movement now where people are, are um, seeking out grassroots uh, businesses or grassroots um, communities. Yeah. And, and that makes me really, really optimistic because uh, growing up in, in rural Canada it was uh, and and even for those that are and I don't mean this in a negative way but there are still some peers of mine that um haven't uh traveled beyond western Canada or even Alberta and and um unfortunately I, I think it uh still plays into some of the more toxic um views that we have currently and I think a lot of those views are kind of coming to surface with the election that's happening right now yeah um, and, and, um, and I, it's, it's a, a little bit scary. Yeah. But, um, we don't want to get into that. Well, yeah. Too, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, we could, we could go down a rabbit hole with that. Um, I'm actually going to cut you off to get into the rapid fire and we're going to just like turn things into the, as light as we can, not light and fluffy. And we're going to have some laughs here. Um, I'm not good at this kind of stuff. That, so that's all right. It doesn't need to be rapid. You can drone on if you need to drone <laughs> on. Um, and it's funny because the first question I always I always introduce the rapid fire, and then the first question is probably the hardest. What album sparked your love of music? Oh man, Green Day Dookie. Oh, nice. Well, okay, that was easy. So the rest should be a breeze. <laughs> <laughs> What's your current musical obsession? I love the that new record that um, Connor Oberst and Phoebe Bridgers put out. Okay. Better Oblivion Community Center. Okay. I haven't listened I think that's to it. what it is. <laughs> it's uh, two incredible songwriters yeah. working together. Uh, great front-to-back record. Wonderful. I'll have to check that out. Burgers or pizza? Burgers. Coffee or tea? Coffee. How do you take it? Black. Best movie you've seen recently? Uh, Heartbeats Loud. Heartbeats Loud. Yeah, with Nick Offerman and, oh, I can't remember the girl that plays uh, his daughter. Okay. It's great. It's just kind of a feel-good movie. He plays uh, this failing record store owner, and his daughter is going to med school. She just graduated, and they always have a jam night, and they write this indie rock song, and he without her permission puts it on a Spotify and they blow up. They're not even a band. So it's this like struggle, like his record store is closing and he wants to like pursue the band, but she's passionate about med school. So yeah. it's, it's a, the awesome and like just a feel good. good movie. Okay. That's worth checking out. Uh, alcohol or marijuana? Uh, booze. Yeah. What's your drink of choice? Uh, beer. Okay. What's the best thing to happen to you on stage? Um, people singing along. Nice. What's the worst? Uh, somebody, uh, proposed to someone. I don't want to say that was the worst, but it was like, (laughs) 
I hope that they're still together because that would be the worst feeling if they (laughs) just didn't work. (laughs) Um, The worst thing is uh, there was a fight that started to break out during a a concert once and we just stopped and we, you know, acknowledged what was happening and and, uh, I don't know, we just called the people out that were being bullies and uh, I don't know if they got kicked out or what happened, but Everything was cool at that point. Yeah, I got a lot of respect when when bands do that. Um, I actually recently saw Proto Martyr. They're my favorite band on the planet, but I, I traveled to Vancouver to see them. And there was something going, I don't know what it was, but like in the middle of his song, he just started yelling at this dude mm-hmm. off to the side of the stage. So he, like you're on stage, you're seeing what's going on. And if you're seeing some shitty behavior, I have a lot of respect when, when you call out the audience. Well, you have to because you're... You're, you gotta be, uh, you have some level of control in the room and, totally. and you, yeah. you gotta use that for the better. Yeah, betterment. absolutely. Oh, now this question, usually, I, this, I don't know what I'm going to do with you with this question because you're a farmer. Oh, good. But, yeah, right. But this question is how many pets do you have and what are their names? We, uh, the barn got torn down like over 10 years ago. So we're oh. down to barn. Well, they're, they're not barn cats anymore, but they're in like our old chicken coop. <laughs> so we have cats and dogs. Yeah. Our joke is like at one point we had like 15. We had a herd of, of cats, like <laughs> maybe 15 or 20 head of cats. <laughs> but no, in the house we have a cat and a dog. We have an orange tabby with a pretty unclever name, uh, Crush. Yeah, crush the cat, <laughs> and then we have this big fluffy dog uh, that's uh, um, she looks like Falcor from the Neverending Story. Oh, awesome! Yeah, is this uh, Great Pyrenees mix, and her name is Juniper, and she's kind of like the I don't know the musical uh, mascot. We took her on tour across Canada, which was pretty amazing. That's awesome. So we're ju- just two. That's that's not bad. I was expecting a a huge list. We had we had a bunch of chickens when we were down in Oregon. Yeah, nice. What's the strangest job you've ever had? Uh, I don't know if it was like strange, but uh, doing um, solar install. Okay. That was. Yeah. Uh, it was strange when um, I'd show up and I wasn't informed that it was on like a 40 pitch and that I'd have to <laughs> get harnessed <laughs> in. Oh, and uh, <laughs> I wasn't into that so much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you could open for any artist on the planet, who would it be? I think John K. Sampson. I'd be a little bit yes. like I would be... Uh, very, very excited because um, he's one of my um, favorite songwriters yeah. and someone that I take a lot of inspiration from. Yeah. But I think I'd also be nervous because I have uh, placed a couple of his influences or like there's homages to him in songs. So yeah. I think I'd be a little bit nervous, be like, oh man, I feel like I'm ripping you off. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite childhood toy? Um, Lego. Lego, yeah. Easy. Who's your favorite superhero? Uh, I like Batman. Yeah. That's the most common yeah. answer. I mean, everybody loves Batman. Everybody I don't know, loves. like, other superheroes? I can't really think of any other... Well, the typical ones, but yeah, yeah. it's Batman. Yeah. What was your first car? 
Uh, I, um, my sister's, I got the pat, like the hand-me-down of her Sunfire. So, uh, 99, uh, Sunfire. GT. No, GT. What's the best Canadian city to play? Well, that's easy. That's Edmonton, but... Um, aside from the hometown, Quebec City was always a f- and still is a fantastic place to, to play. Yeah. Uh, but it's ever changing because yeah. people move so often that that um, I, Montreal's always a blast too. Yeah. Ottawa, Ottawa's like a sister city to Edmonton. We really? just uh, I feel like we got in with the right people at the. Um, share the same interest in music that uh, I I love playing there whenever uh, given the opportunity. Awesome. Um, what's the worst? Um, I don't know. It's only because for the longest time we couldn't play to more than like four people. Uh, Thunder Bay was probably the place. Um, <laughs> the last time we were there was actually like it was a good time. Okay. Uh, but I, I was always curious, this is maybe like a, uh, this is a side note, but I'm always curious about what people call themselves when they, you know, when they're from a certain town. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. in Edmonton, Edmontonian, yeah. Vancouverite, Halifax, you're Haligonian, yeah. which is an awesome and strange one. But I was in Thunder Bay this last time and outside a bar and I just asked a local dude, I was like, Hey, um, what do people call themselves if you're from Thunder Bay? And he's like, oh, fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they got some good humor. I like that. (laughs) Uh, What's the weirdest request you've ever had from a fan? Oh, um, I don't know. Um, One time was to like get into a limousine and get, I don't know sequestered to uh, some party um <laughs> just see yeah it seemed kind of but i don't know that's the first thing that comes to mind okay it would have been probably cool but uh declined yeah what is your biggest pet peeve i'm not a big fan of spoilers oh uh, yeah 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 i just feel like i need to have that element of suspense i agree give me one of your bucket list items I'd like to go to all the provinces, or I'd like to play in all the provinces and territories of Canada. Okay, so what do you still need? I need um, the territories. Yeah. And Newfoundland. Oh, okay. So sort of the places on the the far ends. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I feel like you can pull that off. I, I think so. It's just uh, I, I the need territories. To, that's are a tough, reminder. Man. That's a that's a goal that I set a bunch of years ago, and uh, maybe it's lost its way. Yeah. So good reminder. Yeah, we'll bring her back. <laughs> What's your favorite road trip album? The Towns Van Zant, uh, the the self titled. Okay. I love that one. Yeah, it's a great record. If you could hang out with one of your musical idols, would you? Would I? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I. There's been a couple instances where I've, I've, I've been able to do that. Okay. And I was awkward as hell. Yeah. And I like to think that um, you realize that people are just people. Yeah. And you don't have to, you know, make them up to be some celebrity or yeah, uh, anything. You, 
they're just regular folks for the most part. Yeah. I'm sure there's some people out there that I idolize that are weirdos, but for the most part, they're just regular folk. Yeah. Cool. Okay, I got one last question for you before we part ways here. If you just found out you were the last person on earth, what's the first thing you would do? I'd probably cry. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fair, yeah. it's a fair answer, a common answer. Yeah. Oh God! Well, hey, average answer. Yeah, <laughs> from your average Joe. <laughs> so, uh, Joe, we're gonna we're gonna finish things off here with uh, one of your tracks, and I think we decided that we were gonna play Bible Belt, mm-hmm. uh, my personal favorite off the record, and I was hoping maybe you could talk a little bit about the song before we go into it. Sure, I was. Uh, I think I was starting to go down that that route earlier on, but uh, um, the the song really came from uh, this, like I was reflective of what life was like growing up in a small town. There was one instance where I'll never forget, like um, I, I grew up on, on the farm yeah. 10 miles outside of town, so I would take the school bus into, into Drumheller. And one time I was coming down the Twin Hills and there's like the iconic welcome to Drumheller sign. And it was a wood sign with the dinosaur, of course. Yep. And at one point, um, some vandals whited out the drum and the ER and it just read welcome to hell, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny being like a 10 year old. Yeah. And was like, ah, you know, hell was a bad word. Yeah. Um, but then kind of laughed at it. And it, it, I was sort of thinking about that, um, as an adult and realizing that a lot of small towns, if you, if it's a conservative and uh, predominantly religious community yeah. that's very strict on what they view as social norms, life can be hell. Literally, if you, yeah. Literally, if you don't fall into what is considered normal if or if you don't abide by the social mores. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was thinking in terms of what that meant for people that I knew that encountered things like teenage pregnancy or um, living uh, in a household like uh, in a uh, domestic uh, uh, or lived with domestic violence or where divorce was shunned upon or if your gender identity didn't fall into what was considered norm. It was um, gender or sexual orientation. Um, it was literally hell for those individuals. Yeah. And I think it's important for, um, you know, I, I feel like I've, I've had a privileged upbringing where I didn't have to um, undergo that, that, those certain feelings of uh, ostracized or being ostracized. So yeah. um, music, I feel, is important, uh, is an important avenue for conversation. And if you are lucky enough to have a platform, it's important to also uh, be an ally for those um, that uh, don't have the same privilege. So this song is uh, is a commentary on what life is like living under the social rule of the Bible Belt. Wonderful. Joe, thank you so much for joining me on Inside the Art Studio. Hey, thanks for having me. Sorry I ramble. (laughs) (laughs) No, it made for a perfect episode. Uh, Dear listener, we're going to leave you with Bible Belt. Crying into your hands, you were sitting on the curb outside of St. Anthony's. 
Your white dress was fitting Tighter than the father gripped the rosary I gave you a thrift store ring Had to be a shotgun, no other way We bit our lips, they clipped our wings What's the use of flying when living in this cage? Oh, we weep when the river plays Folding the cards that we were dealt Seventeen years old and showing Beat by the buckle of the Bible Bells the space within my chest the smiles of a thin disguise are put on to match our sunday best at night we dream in separate rooms then awake to a scripture of joshua to serve them in the home it's not a chore it's my cross-stitch duty hanging on the wall Struck by the guilt and shame Longing for a love I've never felt In silence I endure the pain Beat by the buckle of the Bible bell All my life I was a failure Mother said to act more ladylike the small town gossip whispered that's john and mary's girl i hear she is a dyke they saw my necktie and my crew cut but could not see identities differ and this tough skin of mine had enough i came out and changed my name to mister oh my assignment betrayed me i fled to where the redwoods dwell a man born into this Cups and Cakes Presents is produced by Declan Paxton and Jeff McCallum. The feature track was played with permission from Joe Vickers. Undercurrents from Atlanta's Jazz Ensemble's album Oceanic Suite is the background music throughout the entire episode. Oceanic Suite is available through Ottawa's Marlowe Records. Find out more at marlowrecords.com. 
Inside the Art Studio is one of many ways the Cups and Cakes Network highlights Canadian music. Visit our website, cupsandcakespod.com, to browse our audio, video, and written content. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. Thanks for listening.